comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. Hey everybody, welcome to Comic Book Logic. I'm your host Joe, and with me as always is my co-host Kevin. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> In case you can't tell by our musical intro and our obviously muted trombone, uh, we're talking today about the Peanuts Christmas special. Actually, it's Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, Charlie Brown uh, Christmas. A Charlie Brown Christmas. 1965. It should just be called The Charlie Brown Christmas because there has been multiple. So It's called it's not Charlie like Brown. One in Real talk, Charlie Brown bought a garbage tree. <laughs> Charlie Brown got a gun for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, I kind of don't want to do like the. So Kevin, what did you know about a Charlie Brown Christmas special? <laughs> no, because we, we don't did need we did to. peanuts on the, on the Halloween one. Yes, we've talked at length. You and I are both so pretty well versed in all things Charlie Brown. Yeah, what did you know about Charles M. Schultz's infidelity? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. um, yeah. So I guess we could just get into it because I mean this doesn't. This is a twenty-five minute cartoon on TV. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, um, and probably most of the background stuff will come in the production notes. But uh, we started off like we normally do. It's, uh, it's Vince Guaraldi's jazz music playing as kids are skating on a pond. Yeah. Yeah. It goes on pretty long. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an okay go well, Charlie video. Walks, Charlie Brown walks out. I think the opening scene, uh, if I'm remembering, is he walks out and he's the one, he's leaving the house and he uh, he's the one who goes up to Linus and they're standing there at the... Uh, at the half a brick wall, I'm yes. not really sure. It's just in the middle um, that they lean on, and uh, and he's talking about, um, and he has one of my one of my Linus has one of my favorite lines in a peanut special because he's talking about Charlie Brown is talking about it. We can get into this, but how he's not he's not feeling it. No. He's not feeling the Christmas spirit. No, no, right? It's it's we look at it now, and it's also this was made in 1965, so we're looking at it a little bit about like a critique on the commercialization of Christmas. But I mean, is there a, besides maybe Garfield? I can't <laughs> think of a more capitalist friendly comic strip. <laughs> so it's not like Schultz was really disappointed. This critique in, on Christmas brought to you by Coca Cola. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Paul Mall cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. It, the, don't don't it, be a blockhead. It's, Smoke Winston's. <laughs> it's it's interesting because it is a, a critique on the commercialization of Christmas, brought to you by Coca Cola, which, but from the perspective of it of the religious just, side of Christmas, yes, yeah. and it's night. It's nineteen sixty five, so you got to remember, like Christmas probably was. We're we're approaching like. 
the that kind of that the front end of the bell curve that we're still currently on of like the commercialization of Christmas. Like it probably was is not as bad as it like hit like I don't know a couple years ago. Yeah. Like before the stock market crash of 08. But it's and and all the Democrats declared war on Christmas. But it's like it's right. just <laughs> starting, you know, like we're we were only able to watch this from our secret bunker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a it's approaching that that kind of where people are like, I don't I don't should we spend all this money on Christmas? Yeah. Like we never used to do that. We used to like whittle toy guns for our kids to shoot imaginary Nazis. <laughs> you know that that used to be a Christmas gift. Right. It's like what'd you get? I got a tin of anchovies from Grandpa. Oh, yeah. that'll be good. That'll be good tomorrow on some saltines. So where I think that this this then works a little bit better in this scene in particular because it sets up the whole thing um, is less about the commercialization, although that's certainly part of it. It's Charlie Brown. It's that ennui thing that Charlie yeah. Brown does so well where he seems to think he has the impression, probably rightly so, that everyone is happy except for him. Yes. And that's an easy feeling to have around the holidays because you kind of walk around and everything is decorated and people are shopping. And if you're, you know, just like a regular thoughtful person, especially this year, and you're, you know, in America and we're like, oh, God, we're all going to die. Oh, God, we have. Oh, God. Uh, It's like a month left. Oh, God. Like, you know, it's easy to, to think like, is it me? Yeah, am I the one? Well, but it's but at the end of the day, it's all of us. Although Linus, in an unhelpful way, says what I was going to say. My favorite line is of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you are the Charlie Browniest. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my well, favorite moment. And and you know, there's granted this is approaching it through a a more religious spectrum, but the I, I get Charlie Brown. Like I I'm the type yeah. of way I I'm not a big Christmas fan. It's like my least favorite holiday, just because I have to travel like. 300 miles in the course of two days yeah um but it's also like i look around and i see like everyone's like getting ready for christmas and they love christmas and they love the christmas music coming on the radio and yeah you know all the stuff and i'm just like sitting there going like is is there something wrong with me how come i don't i don't get this you know yeah. it's it's i think Char- i i appreciate charlie brown in this in the manner because he's like you know am i Am I, there's something wrong with me? It's like, yeah. no, the children, the children are wrong. <laughs> it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> wrong. It's yeah. our wives who are wrong. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, I, I'm the one who wants to, like, we put the tree up, you know, right after Thanksgiving. I think I, I bought a couple of days uh, for whatever reason. I think we put it up uh, on that Sunday, maybe. So it wasn't up on Friday, you yeah. know. Uh, but it's still up, obviously. A lot of people leave it up until after New Year's. Uh, ours will come down probably the follow, probably next weekend. Um, thankfully, my wife's sister, and this is not necessarily just a Christmas spirit thing. This is a, a, a mental health issue. Um, <laughs> her Christmas tree was still up as of August from last year. And the only reason that she took it down, because at that point you might as well leave it up. The only reason they took it down is because they had bed bugs and they needed to have their whole house done because it got so bad. They needed to do the entire house and they That's had to take it down. That's insane. Very, very well. Yeah. She's yeah. She yeah. has some, some, well, some, I'm not saying the bed issues. bugs. I'm saying just the tree up in August. The tree up. Yeah. She leave because it makes her sad to take it down. Oh my now my God. wife is not that bad. She wants now me. I would, I kind of like when you see like the old timey traditions when they're like, they bring in the tree on Christmas Eve yeah. and decorate it, and then it's out at the curb when it dries out before New Year's. Yes. You know? And I'm like, and then it's over. It's yeah. done with. It's like, it's a week. 
tops. I don't like the live tree. It's a fire hazard. Both, yeah, that's you know, true. My father, we've never had that either. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's like, don't you like the pine smell? No, that's why I have a house and don't live in the goddamn forest. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I know. My house smells like my house. I yeah. don't yeah. need... Uh, no, it's fine. So you smell that must... That's pure Joe. <laughs> I, sp- I spent the last 11 and a half months getting this house smelling exactly the way I wanted it. You're going to take that away from me? <laughs> So that's, I mean, yeah, that's the framing. And then, right, and then the skating, everyone is skating. They're enjoying the winter. Um, Yeah. Music's playing. There's lots of little little jokes. Vignettes, yeah. But, Uh, but, right, but everybody knows this. I mean, the overall thing is... I think the important thing to realize is that there's a bunch of five, six to seven-year-olds skating on a pond alone. Sure. No adult supervision whatsoever. No. That's how, that's how... George Bailey almost died exactly. saving his brother. His brother. Yeah. yeah. Lost his ear, hearing in the ear. Yeah. Stupid yeah. kids. Well, that was 1919 or whatever, so that was even... <laughs> no, there were was, even fewer. All the adults oh, yeah, were all yeah. fighting World, World War, War I. One. <laughs> they, were all, they were all fighting the Kaiser. They were like, go play on the ice. We're going to go fight the, the Kaiser. Kaiser. <laughs> that you got water in your ear? <laughs> That's not 1919, but okay. I don't care. Close it up. It was it was it was wrapped up by that point, but that's okay. Give him the stick. Don't give him the stick. <laughs> that's obscure bull. I like that one. Oh man, yeah. And so you know, Charlie Brown and, and seeking out you know respite from his ennui goes and see Lucy the at her the course the psychology booth or yes. psychologist booth psychiatrist booth mm-hmm. where she gets her cold hard nickel right and. Uh, she tells him everything that's wrong with him. You know, it lists right. off all these problems. Right. She's like, if we can, if we can name and label yes, your, your problem, problem, then we can figure out, you know, what to do with it, and we we can figure out what to do with you. And uh, you know, that's that's about as you know, American. the DSM five yeah. or whatever we're up to, <laughs> you know, as we can get. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's and the the funny thing is, is that she never really approaches on the fact of, you know, maybe Chili Brown just doesn't like Christmas. Yeah. You know, it's like. That's not American enough. You no. can't. You can't not Christmas. like American. Of he should like uh, Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of and he it, should. It's it's 1965. Yeah. You know, we gotta we gotta fight the commies. You can't, yeah, you can't hate Christmas. No, we got a Cold War going on. It's yeah. not one of those. Yeah, dirty non-Christians. <laughs> exactly. <Ugh>. It, war <laughs> on Christmas in 1965. Yeah, and uh, so she she. She comes across the idea that the way to solve your problem is to get involved. Sure, which yeah. is not a terrible no response. Yeah. It's a, it's an approach. It's at least, it's proactive, and at least they, you know she wasn't like, here I swiped some of my mom's antidepressants. <laughs> which in 1965 was a bottle of wine and sure. you know. Uh, Nothing like a depressant to chase the blues away. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) As we're drinking alcoholic grape juice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. So she gives him the task of directing the school Christmas pageant. Right. And by Christmas pageant, it is a mess. There is no adult supervision once again. No, that's why they don't have a director. It's not even clear if they're authorized to be doing this. (laughs) The school's probably closed. Who gave them a key to the gym? Somebody, right, exactly. Somebody jimmied the lock open, you know, 
And uh, it was probably those two uh, creepy uh, twins in purple. Oh, yeah. Probably them. The ones who like only show up in the dance scenes. They have like weird, their names are weird numbers. You can Google that. I'm not going to look it up right now. They have super weird names. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really a little deep bit beyond in the my peanuts, scope. Yeah. Deep in the Peanuts lore. <laughs> they have weird, weird non-names. But anyway, um, I'll say this is, this is Charlie one. Brown's first mistake that he makes. Because he, this is this thing with Charlie Brown where, you know, you have to wonder like how much of it's, you know, maybe it's you. Yeah. Charlie Brown, you know, like and at some we, point. we kind of covered that in the in the in the Halloween special. Yeah, the Great Pumpkin. He 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 gets a he cops an attitude quite a bit. Yeah. You know, when when he gets that little bit, like he's he's bummed out. And he's like, I'm Charlie Brown. Good grief! And then somebody's like, Hey, why don't you come over here and help us out with this thing? And what does he do before they even start doing anything? He comes in and he starts immediately. He doesn't even know what the play's about. No, he comes in and he just starts barking orders. He's like, yeah. Now when I go like this, that means to go over yeah. like that. And when I wave my hands like that, and they start they li- they listen to him for a few minutes, and then they're just like, Yeah, okay, all right. They, they just go, start tuning him out. Like they go back to their dance. This guy's an a hole. We're not gonna. Yeah, forget it. Because they're kids, they're yeah. children, and he's a, you know. Yeah, there's no adults wrangling them. Yeah. They expect another kid to keep these kids in line. <laughs> well, yeah, he's the bald kid, the funny-looking bald kid. Yeah, if we give a kid a little bit of a fascist power, he'll be able to ha- handle all these kids. <laughs> it's the 60s, come yeah. on. I have a lot of issues with Charlie Brown's behavior in, yeah, this, uh, in this special. Well, I mean, he throws himself into it, which is commendable. I mean, he yeah. learned some stuff about theater. He, he obviously went to the library, got a thing of, like on stage directing from Bob Fosse, and he, he yeah. learns that you have to wear tight pants and smoke a cigarette while you're directing <laughs> and yell right. at the people and then, you know, get, have an evolved affair with the... Uh, with the shudder! <laughs> shudder! <laughs> Jazz hands, everyone! <laughs> Did I expect too much from fourth graders? <laughs> they called it acceptable. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's he's doing all this stuff, and the kids are completely ignoring him. Yeah. You get like nice little vignette of of Snoopy trying to be every barn animal, <laughs> barn yeah. animal which is I think my daughter's favorite part of the entire thing because she just thinks it's hysterical when Snoopy makes any sort of noise whatsoever. <laughs> funny, he moves and stuff, and then yeah. he starts uh, mimicking Lucy, yes. which, is, which is always funny. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, so they're putting on a nativity play, which, you know, all right, it's the 60s. We didn't have quite as <laughs> uh, we also, know, vigorous. We as also a, don't know if it's a public school. Seems to be they never are wearing uniforms, so mm. I have no choice but to assume. That's true. We never see Charlie Brown, you know, having to go to the chapel on Tuesday. Alec could and be. And Thursday and yeah. Friday. I went to a Catholic school. <laughs> Spent half my damn time in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, all this pro- and the like, he can't get anyone on the play to do anything correctly. Yeah. Um, and they're like, all right, so what do we need? We need the tree. Yeah. Because nothing says. The nativity and birth of Christ in Bethlehem, like a pine tree. (laughs) A North American pine pine tree. tree. Or a spruce, maybe. Yeah. You know, decorated up for the holiday of Yule. (laughs) The the Norse holiday of Yule. Exactly. (laughs) We need more pagan symbolism in our nativity (laughs) play. Exactly. Clearly. Yes, let's get some mistletoe so that we can, you know, worship Balder. Nice. And so Charlie Brown, of course... This is the 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 crux of the entire thing goes mm-hmm. off and 
gets the yeah. saddest tree yeah. possible. That's the second thing he does wrong. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, okay, he walks in, and all right, so this it's the 60s. Yes. And this is when we had the big, like, the fake tree thing. So yes. this is, people were, were getting away from the live trees because their homes were burning down and they were dying of smoke yes, inhalation. Yes, because cutting down a living object that gives oxygen to the world and sticking <laughs> in your house for a week is obviously a great thing to do. <laughs> Hey, don't look at me. I, I've was, never had a real tree in my life. Well, it's like they never heard of a fire hazard before. And oh, they have. It's just that everyone whose tree burned down died. And it's it's true. So they weren't around to spread, spread the the, uh, the, the word. word. Yeah, everyone's got like everyone's smoking. Everyone's furniture is covered in like like flame. Whatever the oh, yeah. opposite of flame retardant, <laughs> you know, it's a flame accelerant. Is <laughs> it's covering everything. Flame hugging. It's they're like. I don't worry about it. Everything's coated in uh, asbestos. We don't have to worry about any of this <laughs> right. burning down. It's like they're, they're, it's like why would I worry about it? My shirt's made of asbestos right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ugh. So he goes. So I understand if he's if he's opposed to the sort of this 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 crass sort of artificiality. Um, yeah. And commercialization of Christmas. I understand that he would be reluctant to bring home a shiny pink aluminum tree, which was all yeah. the rage in the 1960s. No, it's the, it's the big white tree with the red balls, like you see in Goodfellas. Yes, yes. But what we, but it's like there had to be something in the middle of yeah. that and the little piece of crap falling apart, dying non-tree. I don't even think well, he bought a tree. I think he brought home just a like branch. A, a horrid. You know, well, I mean, <laughs> smelly and, little and why branch. Did the, why did the the the, tr- the dealer even have that on the lot? Right. So he brings it on stage, and everyone charged forty five dollars for it. Yeah, and everyone's <laughs> yelling at sixty five money. Yeah, everyone's yeah. yelling at him that he brought right. this stupid b- wiener tree back to the and stage. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? No one can even see this. Yeah, you and, know, and you know, he's all dejected and despondent. And he puts the uh, and he puts the uh, the uh, an ornament on it when he gets it home. He's like, yeah. "Oh, this is not too bad." And then the tree basically dies and just falls over. Yeah, because he can't it can't support the weight of that. Yeah, of the, of the little ball ornament. Right. And and he's like, "Oh, I'm a failure." Yeah, and it's like, "Yes, yes, you are. You a are. Failure. You you had one job." Yeah. Um. This is act- that's af- after uh, Linus, of course, gives his uh, speech. About uh, the true meaning of Christmas, yes. which is the birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. which did not happen on December 25th. Yeah, um, right, probably yeah. happened around sometime in March. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. 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 go watch Life of Brian. It's a much better <laughs> explanation on that. Well, we're not going to get into it. I, I yeah, don't. It's, it's you like you, Charles Schultz was like, you know what? We need something that's going to stop the special dead. <laughs> Well, Schultz was a was a religious guy. He was, was. a Jesusy guy, so uh, he definitely wanted to work that in. Well, and that was like the whole point. Like the 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 only reason why this even got made was because of Linus giving that mm-hmm. recitation of whatever Mark. I don't know. I think it's Luke. It's Luke. actually Luke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stone Cold three sixteen. <laughs> Austin three sixteen. <360. laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's this uh, th- this this speech that you're just like. What? But this doesn't have to do anything with the spirit of Christmas. This is just, this just a, a recitation of something that may have happened to 
according to the Bible on December 25th? Yeah, it's one of four versions. Yeah, and one of four <laughs> versions of exactly it's what happened. It's down because they can't decide. The truth is probably in there somewhere. Which one? Any truth. Any, any, mini miny, mark. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's like, so they, they, they do this, and it's like, oh, well, that's the meaning of Christmas then. Yeah. It is. And they're like, okay. He, he shames them into like, eh, I guess, yeah. you know, Jesus, I guess we, we better try to be nice to Charlie Brown, even though we were. Yeah. I mean, they were being kind of, you know, jerks back to him. But like, again, he came in there and, and just And let me tell you this. I've been now to three Christmas pageants for a, you know, five, six-year-old. And I will tell you, the kids literally just have to get up on stage and kind of move around and everyone's going to be like... Brilliant, yeah, and uh, they, it's it's true. So you just want to see your kid on stage. You don't care about no. some nativity play or something no. like that. It's not like you're just like, oh, my kid's playing the cow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a, the best cow up there, Timmy. Yeah, let's get some burnt cork and turn you into a shepherd. All right, there we go. <laughs> you know, it's like no one really cares. Yeah. The, then the kid someday, like f- fifteen years later, will be like. Man, I was I was I got to play baby Jesus during the nativity play. It was pretty mm-hmm. good, pretty cool. Like no one cares. No. No. And, and and the fact that even Linus is able to recite that passage by mem- by rote memory is kind of scary in and of itself. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of makes you wonder about the Van Pelt household. The, yeah, uh, someone in that house is growing up to blow up an abortion clinic. <laughs> little rerun <laughs> my money's on linus but you never know yeah yeah you never know yeah it's a, it's we, a we see his excellent marksmanship very early oh, yeah, on the, as well the, when the, he takes the bottle out with the uh with the with the rock oh yeah that's right a weird davy and, and goliath, goliath sort of a, david and goliath not <laughs> davy and goliath i don't know davy <laughs> I don't know, i'm linus. pretty sure that's what it was <laughs> I don't think you could fight that giant. <laughs> I'll show him. Linus, I don't think they should be allowed to have abortions. <laughs> what talking dog? Okay. <laughs> At least Snoopy doesn't talk. That's all I gotta say. That's, on that. we're, yeah, we're veering off into weird territory here, people. It's okay. Um, it's, it's all right. Um, and so all the kids are ascend- are properly shamed of how they treated Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. They should follow. And they pull off the greatest magic act, the Christmas miracle of all Christmas miracles. They take down all of Snoopy's decorations because I guess there was a cash prize for best decorated house on the block. Mm-hmm. Which he already won, so it's not like he learned a lesson. No, he He's didn't. He's just like, eh, these lights serve their purpose. Yes. Um, and they take down all those lights and they decorate the little tree and now it looks like a full-blown Christmas tree. Yeah. Still very, very small. Still, still too small to be seen on a stage, really. Yeah. But And everyone's like, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown's like, oh, this all makes sense now. Yeah. And no one's learned anything. No. No. Not Charlie really. Charlie Brown is still in a rut. I mean, yeah. granted, he, he gets a little Band-Aid on top of his... His gaping Christmas wound. Yeah. But there's, you know, no one learns anything. Yeah, the 26th, they go right back to, yeah, screw you, Charlie Brown. They only act the way they do out of shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's well. the only thing that motivates any of us, really. And yet we have an enduring classic that's lasted for over 50 years. I blame, uh, or I, bl- I don't blame, I credit the music.
All right. So production notes. Um, this is a classic 1965. Uh, this was going to be kind of a first uh, Charlie Brown Christmas and the first Charlie Brown special that was going to be on TV. Um, Charles Schultz wanted to get into TV. He wanted to do. He actually wanted to do a documentary about making Peanuts, the comic strip. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got together with I think it was uh, Lee Mendelson, uh, and directed by Bill Melendez. They wanted to get something out there. Found sponsors. Coca Cola wanted to do it, and Coca Cola said the only reason, the only way we'll do it is if it's ready for the holiday season. And this was like in August <laughs> that this came about. So they had to write the script in like under a week to get it into production. Um, and the the thing was was that Charles Schultz really wanted to make it a, have religious overtones, and yeah. people were like, "Yeah, I don't know. This is the 1960s. You know, we're kind of." We're swinging towards the more liberal side of everything, Charles. And Charles is like, I fought in World War II. <laughs> I, shut, <laughs> I shut down three Germans yesterday. Like, it's 1965. He's like, I know what I said. Um, I don't know why Charles Schultz would sound like that, but I'm assuming. So, yeah, they, uh, they, they, uh, they, they got into production and Coca-Cola did that. It had horrendous... Horrendous first screening for all the executives. None of, none of the executives liked it. They didn't mm-hmm. really want to put it out. One guy, the, the apocryphal story is, is that one guy in the back of the room was drunk and he was like, it's going to run for 100 years. Yeah. And sure enough, he was right. It has run for 100 years. Um, went on, became like an instant classic. Everyone loved it right off the bat and it's been playing ever since. Um, I think one of the, the bigger the bigger hypocrisies about it is, is that um, it was initially a 25-minute um, a, tw- a twenty-five minute uh, TV production, um, and then recently in the nineties, uh, when it, th- I think it was CBS was the company that did this. I'm not hundred percent because I think it's on ABC now. Hmm. So back when it was on CBS, I feel like it was on CBS for a long time. They yeah. cut three minutes of the pro- of the movie so that they could show more commercials. Sure. Um, they got a lot of flack for that, mm-hmm. and so they were like, okay, we're not going to do that again. And then just this year, ABC did the same thing again and got in trouble for it. I didn't get in trouble for it, but everyone was like, come on, ABC. And ABC's like, we're owned by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Go see Rogue One again. <laughs> yeah. You or perhaps monster. you'd like to see Spider-Man or anything <laughs> that you like. <laughs> Walt Disney is sitting frozen and with a smile on his face, thinking about how it's like there's no Jews left, right? Yeah, well, sure, <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of the uh, the 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 history. I mean, there's there's not much to say about it. The I think the thing was they cast all the the children actors. That was kind of a that was kind of a inspired mm-hmm. idea. Um, all no the, laugh track. No which laugh was track. A big, uh, for TV. Uh, comedy and and for TV specials and holiday specials, they all had laugh tracks because people were dumb and they needed to be told when to laugh. Uh, you know, and that's the thing too is like I often think that like this is one of those things. Like I'm a Charlie Brown. It's like no, people aren't that dumb. They'll know when to laugh. But then you have someone sit down and watch a show that doesn't have a laugh track, and they're like, "When am I supposed to laugh?" <laughs> and yeah. You're like, oh. "Yeah." I think we should add a laugh track to our podcast. What do you think? <laughs> So they'll know Besides just me going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I'm the worst one Simpsons. out of all the ones. Abortion clinic joke. <laughs> See? Yeah. It's true. It, it does help when uh, we have ourselves to, to cue our, 
our listeners. It's well, true. Because we don't have uh, laugh lines that you can see. Yeah, it's true. Reaction shots. When uh, when I make a joke and then like we cut to my dog and my dog is covering his eyes yeah. with his paws going. <laughs> and then everyone, and you know, your uncle is like, oh, look at the dog. Yeah. The dog says it. And then Peppy comes <laughs> through the door and everyone takes the 30 second applause break. Yes, yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of the weirder issue. So the, the Christmas, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Like, yeah. It's a classic. Yeah, it's. I can't objectively evaluate this in any meaningful it's, way it's any more so than I can objectify, objective, objectify, uh, objectively talk about anything. But it's. I mean, you grew up with it. You see it when you're a little kid. It's on every single year, and it becomes sort of a. It yeah. become watching it is a tradition, and then you have kids, and it's. And let's like, watch. You know, sit down and watch Charlie Brown. Why? Because <laughs> I did it when I was your age, and you're going to do it now, and you're going to do it with your kids when they're old enough. It's like go to the doctor. <laughs> you just do it. You get your your annual dose of the Gospel of Luke, and you like it. <laughs> and then we go right back to spending way too much money on crap we don't need. Uh, it's it's true. I mean, like DVD re 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 releases of a Charlie Brown Christmas special. <laughs> Why are you buying it on DVD? I don't know. I have it. I have the yeah. uh, the the box. Yeah, I, not on Blu-ray though. I think it's time to upgrade. You know what? I'm just gonna keep. <laughs> I'll just. I'll have it on TV. That's fine. We'll just watch it on TV when it's on. I'm, I will never need to own any of the Charlie Brown no. specials. I mean, because really, uh, and it comes with all the ones that you don't want to watch, watch anyway. No, like, it's like Christmas time again with the, rerun and where he wants a puppy. And that awful Thanksgiving special. Oh, the Thanksgiving one is bad. Yeah, and you're just like... We'll, never, we'll probably never talk about that one. No, 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 no. I don't think we should. No, this will be the last Charlie Brown one we'll do, because we, we have to do some of the other... There co- is an Arbor Day special. <laughs> I don't know when Arbor Day is. I think it's in April. But we that's can totally like talk about it. Is Earth Day and Arbor Day the same thing? No, I don't think no. so. See, yeah. that's why I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's all about trees, though. Yeah, I mean, like, why are you going to have an Arbor Day special when you literally have a special about having a chopped up tree in your house? Because they can't, it, it, you know, the commercialization is 19... fine to condemn in the 60s, but, you and, know, when there's money to be made. In the 1970s, you had EPA and Nixon and all that stuff, so I'm assuming that's why they made the Arbor Day one. Maybe. Yeah. Nixon was like, oh, we need to have something out there so we can sell right there. <laughs> yeah, it's Mr. Nixon, it's Mr. Canned President. laughter. <laughs> Canned laughter. Mr. President, I think we should worry about Cambodia before we worry about Arbor Day. <laughs> oh, Henry! <laughs> That's what you said about Laos! That's what you said about Laos. <laughs> I just really wanted to do my Nixon and Kissinger. It's, it's, yeah, well, that's... It's, <laughs> What better excuse is there than a Charlie Brown Christmas? It's the Watergate hearings, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Mr. Follow the money, Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. <laughs> is that? It's. It's like. What should we call you? Call me Deep Throat. You're Pigpen. How could you tell? A big cloud <laughs> of dust. Big dust <laughs> How did you know it was me? <laughs> Charlie Brown and Linus is Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> oh, it's good times. Yeah. <laughs> Follow the money chart. <laughs> Classic. 
Uh, but yeah, it's uh, like I like I I like the idea of of commenting on commercialization of Christmas because let's face it, Christmas is the most commercialized part of our year. Businesses are made and broken on how well they do over Christmas. Yeah. Like Christmas is what keeps certain businesses in the black. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's no choice in our capitalist society to just keep pushing Christmas down our throats, like spend, 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 spend. Mm-hmm. And and so it's nice to have something where someone says, hey, wait a second, what's Christmas really about instead sure. of, you know, annual gift giving day where the Santa Claus comes from the moon and drops off presents in our house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like I, d- I don't know if that's right. <laughs> I mean, myself personally, I'm the type of guy that's like I don't get Christmas gifts anymore because if I want something that I need, I'll just buy it. Hmm. And if I don't need it, I haven't bought it, and so no one needs to buy anything for me because I don't need anything. <laughs> you don't get Christmas anymore, Christmas gifts anymore because you have two kids. Well, I do have two kids like as that. well. <laughs> yeah, well that, that, but even before I had it's two already, kids, well, I, we have. I would get socks for my mom, and that would actually be a nice gift because I would. I'd be like. No, Diane, don't buy socks for me. My mom's going to get socks for Christmas. <laughs> and that'll just last me until uh, you know, until I get my socks for next year, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, we do, with my wife's family, we do just a, just a, I guess, a secret Santa, although it's usually not terribly secret. You draw the name, you get the thing, you buy one gift for the adult, that way everybody has something. But otherwise, you're spending the money on the kids. I mean, we have one on the way. We'll have one in, in, in March. And he got a bunch of gifts. Yeah. And he's not even, you know, he's not even born he yet. Even met him yet? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has got more gifts than I did. Yeah. So that's going to be the tradition going forward. Yeah. He's going to get a bunch of crap. In the in the like, and then we try and fool ourselves as adults by doing like Secret Santa. It's like, no, I don't want to take part in Secret Santa because I don't want to buy anything for anyone. And I don't want anyone to give me anything. So why am I even taking part in this? Yeah. And then there's like the white elephant gift thing, where it's just like, no, how about I just give you all of my crap that I don't want, and you don't <laughs> give me anything. I don't Here, want anything. Throw this away for me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like we do these things to fool ourselves into it. Well, it's to give know. us. It's to give us something to do while we're drinking and yeah. all the kids. So, to, are doing all the gift opening to take our mind away from the inevitable death of our society on January twentieth. Yeah. Well, um, well, this was our last Christmas. We'll all be <laughs> dead by this time next year. Oh, and that's, th- my cat had it, some interjections, and that's the worst. My thing cat I- voted for Trump. <laughs> Sorry. Free the market is free the people. <laughs> um, shut up, cat. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> The sadder part about the whole thing is is that Charlie Brown, it, it's, you have a lot of this kids, the kids comment on Christmas. Kids don't know about the commercialization of Christmas or anything like that because oh, they, don't, their they don't, they don't, they don't have not, any they're money. They're jobs. Yeah, they don't have any stake. And so it's like, mm, without, without the adults there to kind of like, you know, temper it, it's, it's kind of hard. Like if you saw an, an adult, you know, we're wondering about this, you're like, you know, suck it up. This is what we have to do as a society or else we're going to fall apart. Yeah. But it, with the kids, it, it just kind of, it, it's weird because you're like, why do you even care? You don't have to buy any of this stuff. You don't have to do any of this stuff. Like, w- w- how would you ra- rather celebrate Christmas? You know, you yeah. want to celebrate it like Grumpy Joe and just sit on your couch all day? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're never really, despite the fact that they're voiced by children and they're obviously children. I mean, they're definitely a, little mini adults yeah they're adult I, mean, I think that's yeah. the idea especially that early on i think they became less so 
uh, in the couple decades since, as it really took off, they definitely became I actually children. Think, I actually but. think there was like it was it's they started off as more children and then became more adultish mm-hmm. thanks to the specials, and then it kind of went more towards the yeah. children's side. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, so that's I, I. But I think at this time they were like reaching like, yeah, peak adulthood of, of like discussing philosophy mm-hmm. and like the nature of existence, <laughs> while saying good grief. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the music. Yeah, and this how is the, great the music is. This is the, the Vince <laughs> Guaraldi. This is his initial introduction into the world of Charlie Brown and mm-hmm. what introduced the world into white people jazz. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think most not kids, really, but I mean, introduced generations to white people jazz yeah well i think this is most ki- this was my interest and i think we talked about this before maybe not on this show but maybe on the original no, podcast that- we did um we talked about how the charlie brown christmas album uh the music from a charlie brown christmas was our introduction to jazz yeah. and i'm not a jazz guy i might be maybe slightly more of a jazz guy than you and that's not even saying much no i i like jazz un- enough yeah, enough. Yeah. Definitely not going to be one of those people who gets really, really no. into it and has a favorite, you know, a preferred Woody Herman take. <laughs> you know, uh, but take 43 where he goes instead of is yeah. really, you know, that's where it's at. I'm one of those people who relies on other people to tell me what to listen to with jazz. Yeah. Like if someone tells Agreed. me like, like, hey, you should if, you know, we'll be talking about it like, oh, I like, you know, uh, uh uh, Artie uh, Shaw. Yeah. And someone will be like, oh, you like Artie Shaw? Do You might like this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll listen to this and give it a try. And I'll be like, no, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> or I'll be like, no. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to rush out and buy it, but I like it. So, yeah. You know, whatever Woody Allen tells me to listen to, I'll listen to. <laughs> eh, pretty much. I yeah. think there's some of that. Yeah. I, I People like it. And, and the music is not. Um, as like upbeat as you would kind of think that it should be. Like, I mean, it's upbeat, but it's instrumental piano jazz. Yeah. You know, it's not big, goofy, bombastic yeah, music. It's, it's it's almost like piano bar music in a yeah. lot of ways. It, it's nice. It's it suits the background. It gives kind of a, a very good. Um, it captures the feeling of winter and despair, but also <laughs> of childhood. You know, like yeah. Like, and, and like when it does pick up, like Linus and Luth, like Linus and Lucy, you get a little bit of like what it means to be rollicking ch- children moving through, through life. But at the same time, you can get these like big, open, despairing. You know, that Christmas yeah. time is here is yeah. a very sad little song. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, like how could you be sad when Christmas time is here? Well, just ask Charlie Brown. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. it's that it's type. easy. Yeah. It's easy to be sad. <laughs> yes, 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 it is. But yeah, it's the the music is is by far the best part of it, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's lost on a lot of kids too, um, mainly because that album has been. It's a very hard to find album. Like it doesn't like every so often they do a reissue, but they don't do mm. reissues of it that often. Mm. Yeah, the. Uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I'm sure you could find it on vinyl now and like a reissue or something like that. But I think people people yeah. know it. Right? Yeah, I, probably have it around. Yeah, I mean, they mostly they mostly know it from kids' know, first introduction to green sleeves. <laughs> That's true, right? It's on there. Yeah, yeah. for some it, reason, as, as is. For but it's a release. jazzy version of green sleeves. It is. Yeah, but With some Beethoven. 
Yeah, that's true. Beethoven wasn't so great. <laughs> what about Bach? Never, never had his picture on a bumblegum card, did he? <laughs> Jim, whatever I do, I do it to protect you. So you understand? I understand. So uh, instead of our, our usual uh, pick three or top three and and uh, our comic book news, we're going to talk about Rogue One because it's on my mind. Kevin just saw it. Everyone's talking about it. It's the biggest moneymaker of the year pretty much starting so far um, in, a, in a year of underperforming movies um, with the exception. What, Deadpool was this year, right? Deadpool was, uh, yeah, was uh, up pretty high. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the domestic grosses right now because uh, when I heard How did it... How Ben-Hur do? <laughs> you know, not great. Uh, Rogue One shot all the way up. Because when I, last I heard it, it was uh, not on there yet because it hadn't quite come out. Moana yeah. wasn't on the list yet either. Moana um, underperformed this which year. Which it still is not. It is uh, Box Office Mojo has it as of today. Moana at number 12. Uh, Rogue One shot all the way up so far to number 7. Total gross $340 million. Yeah. On its way to... It, it'll definitely hit half a mil, uh, half of a billion. Half a billion half dollars. Half a billion with a B. We've got a uh, couple of days left of the year as of this recording. Uh, top box office gross right now is Finding Dory. Yeah, they um they actually... they uh For Rogue One, it, it's tracking exactly the same as... Uh, um, episode seven. Episode seven. I mean, not as much, but it's like in the same like drop off and everything. Like it's it's got that kind of staying power that episode seven had. Um, it's not going to do as well box office wise as episode seven, mainly because you're not going to have the the people who are like a new Star Wars movie. All right, I'm going to go see this for Han Solo. You know, like that sort of that thing. It's like unless it is like episode number whatever after it, no one's going to really care. Ben Hur is at number eighty-seven. Ooh, with twenty-six million dollars. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> just, just above so far. Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Assassin's Creed just came out and has already made almost as much money as Ben Hur. <laughs> yeah, Assassin's Creed did terrible with his opening too. Um, so let's talk about Rogue One. Um, I don't want to. I'm not doing a recap or anything about it. Um. To give you a little bit of a, a just a spoiler, I really liked it. I think it does incredibly well. Um, I think that the movie is the first act of that movie is a complete and utter mess. The um, the there were a lot of rumors that uh, additional filmmakers um, well, were they brought, brought in, in to supervise. There were there were a lot of credited writers. Yeah, well, they brought in well. they brought in Tony Gilroy, the Bourne guy. To like yeah. spice up some of it, mm-hmm. um, and I it's been sitting it's been weird with me. Like I can't really figure out why the first act is such a tonal mess all over the place. I mean, one of the bigger problems is is that the main character Jin or so she's 
she is so so blank, such a blank slate in this movie, and you can't really figure out what is her motivation. She's just kind of being like shuffled along throughout this entire first act of the movie. She first and second act of the movie. She doesn't exist as a character outside of the context of this movie. It's and exactly, it's there's you're and so that's frustrated by it. Fine, and and obviously we're gonna get very into spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, just go ahead and skip this because I don't want to have to dance around that. But um. It's fine because she's disposable. You know, she's going to die. Everybody's going to die. This is this is a, a suicide mission, and, and that's yeah. the end of it. So in that sense, it's okay. But when she dies, because I have no context of who she is, uh, you don't I care. didn't care. I was like, okay. Well, I was no- a little surprised because I did think that they were maybe going to make it, and then it was very clear that they were not going to make it. <laughs> well, and on top of that, it's... wouldn't be a very effective Death Star if they survived while on the planet, I guess. I, and it's the fault of the of the the screenwriter that the, the only person I... Well, I shouldn't say the only person, but one of the characters that I most cared about was the damn robot, and yeah. was the most sad when he died. Yeah. I was like, oh... I mean, I would have been sadder for Diego Luna. I mean, he was a good character, but I couldn't understand a damn thing he was saying throughout this entire movie. Throughout this entire movie, I don't understand a thing that he is saying. <laughs> it's it's not his fault. It's my fault. I have a terrible ear for that. I yeah. can't tell what people are saying uh, when they have an accent. Um, blame my Midwest upbringing. Yeah, it's true. But the um, so the movie itself has, as I said, it has an awful first act. Like it's just so disjointed and. First of all, like they do that long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then they're just like to a planet. Yeah. Like there's no crawl or anything. That's fine. Like I, I wish they had a crawl because I think that's that's more Star Warsy and makes you feel more Star Warsy. And you you have this the scene where you know uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, who is actually a very a good character, I think in the movie serves his purpose very well. Um, with Ben Mendelsohn. And I think Mendelsohn is amazing in this movie. He's such a great actor. I've seen this movie three times now in the theater. Um, Ben Mendelsohn's performance in this movie keeps impressing me every time I see it. Like, he's so subtle with what he's doing. Like, his inadequacy as as a leader and his mm-hmm. fear and his um, his anger, his jealousy, it all comes through and you really can see it in his eyes and his lips. And his lips. In his, his mouth as he's, like twitching and getting angry it's like mm-hmm. this is an excellent performance this like that type of performance is one of the better performances i've i've seen in a long time in any movie that i've i've like really paid that much attention to and like mm-hmm. liked it he's great i don't even know what he's from you know he did a lot of he, he's one of those um character actors the supporting actors who've been around a long time we talked about him a little bit when we talked about um dark knight returns he oh, has that's a right. bit part yeah. in that um not a tiny part but a, a, a fairly minor part um he's done some tv uh, he was really good last year in uh, a co-starring co-leading performance with ryan reynolds in a movie called mississippi grind that's very mm-hmm. good um that i liked um He's just a great actor. He's just, every time you see him, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be good. I was, you know, and it's a Star Wars movie, so it's not like you're going to take a lot on the acting in a Star Wars movie, but like his performance. Yeah, some of the acting in, in the original series is uh, not great. It's not great, but it's served its purpose Damn, the in the prequels. story. Well, we're not going to talk about the prequels because <laughs> those are all. Joe refuses to acknowledge those prequels. No, I, I want Disney to remake them so badly. But the. Uh, 
the performances in the, in the original series, like I, I actually just texted you about it that uh, um, Alec Guinness's performance in that movie in the original one mm. is, is very nuanced, mm. like more. But I think that's just it does it didn't have to be, but that's just Alec Guinness being like, True. I have nothing else to do in this movie, so I <laughs> might as well act my ass off. He's committing. Yeah, you know when you, know, you get those veteran actors, they're either going to really commit. Or they're going to take this opportunity to chew all the scenery in sight. Yeah. Um, and he took the former. Yeah. I mean, and you also got, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, the guy who played Tarkin. Why can't I think of his name? Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. Peter Cushing in that movie as well. And he makes a reappearance in this movie 30 years <laughs> after his death. <laughs> yeah. What didn't you- really bother me. I thought it was weird, certainly. I didn't expect it. And I didn't, I was a little more bothered by it only because... It was such a prominent role. role. Yeah, like I thought he'd show up and be like, "Oh, that was weird that they did that." Okay, well, moving on. But he has like four scenes. He has like a really pivotal role. He yeah. has more lines than some of the hero supporting does. characters. Yeah, <laughs> Jin, exactly. Jin has like six lines in this entire movie, and all of them are like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> What's all they say? What's all they say? I'm English." Um. Yeah, and the, the yeah. um, my only problem with this, I think the CG looked very good. It was just a little too plasticky for me. It was too a little too video gamey. Yeah, um, I think yeah, the stuff that was but, real always looks, and this is something that people talk about a lot, like Star Wars versus Star Trek or Star Wars versus most science fiction, is that everything always looks very lived in. Yeah, everything's junky yeah. in the Star Wars universe, and that's mostly true here when you're talking about like the good guys ships yeah the bad guys stuff all still looks pretty pristine yeah. and and uh british. clean and, and british and yeah yeah well i mean i think his he, his face looked a little plastic like a little sheeny like it had like a oh that was weird uh <laughs> it had a plasticky kind of uh uh film to it where I was like, I could. It kept on looking a little video gamey to me. It was better than like the, he, it wasn't all like full Polar Express. Yeah, no. Where you were just like kind of freaked out. No, your wife and my wife both didn't realize that he was a CG character. I, you know what? And some people, like I've heard numerous people be like, whenever, like hearing from friends of theirs, like they didn't even realize because they. I was like, first of all. It's Peter Cushing. Like, how are you not Peter paying attention? Cushing died in like eighty three. Why do you like? I mean, I can appreciate that some people don't know things like that, but come on, like that's the dude from a movie that came out forty years ago. Like, he looks the same. It's obviously fake. But even the fact, even not knowing that, I guess that's saying something. That's how I was like, okay. So obviously, if they plus we saw it in the. 3D, and we were talking before we started recording how lousy the 3D and, yeah. and, and unnecessary this movie is in 3D. Yeah, that was I was I was hoping that the third act looked a little better in the 3D, and it didn't really. No, because the movement in 3D always it just looks blurry. 3D yeah. is garbage. It's, yeah. we've, well, I was hoping like spaceships would fly out, you know, pew, 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 yeah. pew, and it'll be like ah, uh, your seat rattles yeah, for that exactly. you know immersive experience. There's actually one of those theaters out in uh, um. Uh, by by the big outlet mall. Why can't I think? Uh, Gurney Mills. Gurney Mills, thank you. I kind of want Glen Burnie, but that's in Maryland. And Gurney Mills, they have one of those mm-hmm. theaters that they purposely like program everything so it feels like a 4D huh. show. So they'll like pump smoke in or like 
uh-huh. know, sprinkle water on you or pump in smells and stuff like that and shake your seats yeah. along with the movie to make you feel like like a 4D right. experience. Huh. Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to do it, but I don't want to drive up to, to no, Kearney Mills. Mills. Yeah, yeah. I ain't got time for that. Unless I'm going up to Six Flags, I ain't doing that. But so yeah. I also didn't like um, how serious everyone was, especially uh, the two leads, especially exactly. Jin and Diego Luna's character. I don't know Diego Luna's character's name. Cassian Andor. Um, so Jin and Cassian, like, and... All of their heroes, the senator, the senator who's leading the rebels, and all the other rebels, and yeah, I don't, I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I've seen this movie three times. Some of the villains and all that. Like, if you take out Alan Tudyk's robot, um, KRS One, (laughs) I'm not the first person to make Make that that joke joke on a podcast, but I like to think I came up with that joke. I made the joke as I was leaving the theater, so I'd like to think it was original enough. Yeah. Um, you take him out of the movie, not only is it not as good of a movie. Um, well, I would, I would. Add, it's super serious. There's no one else makes any I, other really joke I would, references I would, other I would than your two. You've got the two Donnie Kurosawa, Yen. yeah, that, uh, stand in, which is I think that's the moment where that movie turns a corner for me is. A, when they get to Jeddah, which is kind of like the symbolic start of Act 2, yeah. um, which is where I think the movie really starts picking up. Um, they're, granted, there are some problems with that act, but when Donnie Yen as um, Chirrut and uh, Baez, I can't remember the guys who played him's name. Let me see. It is uh, Wen Jiang. Thing right now. It's Baez. Yes. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. So it's Donnie Yen and, and Wen Jiang. Um, those two characters, straight out of Kurosawa, which is... A, a great nod to the original right. because Lucas, R2-D2, and C-3PO were essentially those two characters mm-hmm. from Hidden Fortress. The Hidden Fortress, yep. And now he actually brought, like, the other two characters from, like, like those characters out of Hidden Fortress and put them in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they are probably, in my opinion, the two most enjoyable characters in this movie. Donnie Yen's um, Chirrut is the most enjoyable Star Wars thing I've seen Probably since the since Jedi came out in '83, hmm. um, the the initial scene where he's doing his his fight against the stormtroopers and you know he's got the one stormtrooper with the the stick in his neck and holding him while everyone else is shooting him. I'm like, and he's just kind of like moving like drunken master style. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Very that's fun. what I want to see. Yeah, and you know, Baze comes out with his guns and he's shooting everyone. I'm like, right. that's cool too. Yeah, but and. I want an entire movie with those two characters. And You'll probably get it. Why not? And the and the my, the main reason is this because even though it's serious, they're having fun. Yes. Whereas Jin and Cassian are not having fun throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. They're treating it so seriously. That was one of my problems with it. I mean, I I'm with you. I liked it. You probably liked it more than me, I would say. Um, but I liked it. I mean, I didn't have any real serious problems with it other than like it wasn't terribly consequential but that was kind of by design what i do like about it is that um for once a star wars movie ends (laughs) it ends there's an ending and you know i mean obviously it carries on into movies that we've already seen but only that sort of that one part that we were already expecting. And we yeah. get to kind of see it as it gets to that. Well, that was think, all a foregone conclusion. Every, I don't think everyone was expecting kind of how it ended because no. that ending was. Well, no, yeah. Not the Darth Vader was, part. Well, no, no. I mean, like, oh. 
I'm talking like just like how it like just butts up against episode four is like I thought that was genius the way that they did that because I I don't think yeah she's really... actually there and yeah. they're ready to kind of give it to her I don't think anybody was give it to her give her the <laughs> yeah yeah uh, may she rest in peace um, <laughs> and her CG likeness will live on yeah I don't think anybody was expecting it to go as far a butt to episode four as it I did. was. I, I do. I was not. I like, actually was a little surprised that we didn't act. Once she showed up, I was surprised that it just ended because I actually thought because we saw R2-D2 and C-3PO yeah. briefly in a completely unnecessary cameo. I thought the reason they showed that Which, was to be like, hey, remember, like they're yeah. there because when because the plans are going to end up inside of R2-D2. And I thought we were actually going to see that happen. Get up to that point And then, literally you know. that would be the ending. And then because the idea would then be. Almost like when you're watching the Lord of the Rings, like the extended, and then yeah. it like goes black, and they're like, "Now, please insert <laughs> Star, Wars Star Wars Episode, episode Four, four. <laughs> Disc One, yeah. and then just watch that because it's a seamless experience. It was that's what I was expecting. I'm glad they didn't quite do that. It was it's a, as close as as to that as like you could possibly get without. Without literally ending it and yeah. saying, now start watching this movie. Yeah. So I did expect that because I knew that kind of going in. Yeah. It had, um, I really liked the, and it, that's what I saying is when you get to the third act, the third act is what completely sells this movie. And I don't think, I think the third act was what they originally came up with and they built the entire movie around the third act. Sure. Um, well, because they had the, I mean, it's obvious enough to just be like, if you're going to do standalone stories, take something that we haven't seen, but that we know happens. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, something cool probably happened around that. <laughs> A lot of guys with mustaches flying around. That's, I was so impressed with the amount of si- mustaches and sideburns in this that movie. I, that's why I, I leaned over to my friend as we are watching it, and I'm like, you can tell that this takes place before the first movie because it's the 70s. It's, it's so great. <laughs> I didn't like, I'm like, yeah, Star Wars should have a lot of mustaches and sideburns. So by the time that The Force Awakens comes around, everyone should be wearing like goatees. Just and all to the follow graphics the are terrible on all their, yeah! <laughs> all their transmissions and stuff because it's got to fit in. It can't look too good. And, and I, I absolutely love those small details. And it's something that I think George Lucas didn't get when he was doing the prequels. That it's like, mm-hmm. we don't want to see everything look super fancy and new. We want to see the 70s. Yeah. Sci- sci-fi 70s. It should be like the sci-fi 50s yeah, now exactly. at this point. <laughs> Weird printouts. <laughs> Dot matrix printers. <laughs> the rebels are advancing. <laughs> But yeah, I, that third act is is genius, and uh, so I'm I was you know thinking to myself, it's like you know what what is the problem with the first act? And if I went back and I watched the first two trailers that were dropped for Rogue One, and they are so tonally different than what actually showed up on screen. I mean, like there are whole scenes in the trailers yeah. that were not in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Now that's understandable. I mean, they could cut and, you know, mm-hmm. trim or whatever, but there was like massive, like visuals and scenes that did not show up in the movie. Never at never a good sign. No. And <laughs> I, when I was watching it, I was paying attention to the way Jin was acting in the, in the previews. She was a lot more upbeat and a lot more for the rebellion in those previews. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was just, you know, the snippets that they showed or the takes that they used. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like they did something in the rewrites or something in the reshoots where they made her character much more kind of like 
gray. You know, like I, it's like I don't care for the rebellion. I don't care for the empire. I'm just you know, yeah. I'm just listening to my Nirvana. And, and that know. character could have worked because that's what Daisy Ridley's character kind of was, where yeah. she was like. It's over. Like none of this really matters. We're all just trying to kind of get through it. And that was the th- that was the thought that I had as I left this movie was the f- I absolutely love, and I really want to see the movie again. I've actually only seen episode seven once. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Come from my it. house, we watch it biweekly. I, I I need to pick it up and and actually watch it again. But uh, I have a year to do that. I guess the. We spend like, and you can correct me because I'm going off of somewhat drunken memory. We spend like f- the first like 40 minutes of that movie just getting to know her. It's like the opening. It's like the opening of Wally. It's just like <laughs> her, just like in the desert, moving boxes around for like 40 minutes, and we get a sense of how, how she exists. In this universe. Well, yeah, we get a sense of struggle and a sense that... You know, who yeah. she is, you know, you get a little sense of, like, what her values are. You get this sense of, why, you know, she's alone. You're, you're getting a lot of her as a character that helps you, because you're going to be spending three movies with her. Yeah. And you're not going to be doing that with Dakota Johnson, which is fine. Dakota, um, sorry. Um, what's her name? In the, <laughs> Jin. What's Jin's name in this? What's the actress's name? Oh, um, it's not Dakota Johnson. No, from, I was like, uh, she's in Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. Felicity Jones. Felicity I'm sorry. Jones, yeah. I don't know why I keep wanting her to be Dakota Johnson. Uh, Felicity Jones. We don't spend um, that much time with her because, uh, again, she's going to die at the end of this movie. And we don't really need to. But the trade-off is. We have no idea. I don't know what she is except in relation well, to the rebellion in the Empire. So for her to just not care about either means like, okay. Well, what? and that's and that's so I you know, I was thinking about this and especially with the Daisy Ridley comparison is like one of the great things about what they do with episode seven is it's very subtle. In that when 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 uh um when she when Ray is on that desert planet Jakku, she is basically subsistence farming. She's like just trying to get through each mm-hmm. day. And when finally, when her needs are met, at you know, when she gets on the Falcon and flies off, you get to see her blossom as a character. You get to see, you know, who she is and make yeah. her decisions. Like she's finally able to make decisions mm-hmm. for herself that don't involve like survival. Right. And Jin, on the other hand, is in a relatively similar situation. Her parents are taken away from her. They're, they're right in front of her. Her mother's killed in front of her face. Her father's taken away. She's raised by this maniac, you know, warlord um, who's essentially a rebel version of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool little nod, mm-hmm. as played by Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Talking like this, this for some reason. Save the Empire! <laughs> Save the Rebellion! Save us all! I love that. I, his character is great. I love <laughs> I loved those choices that he made because they're so nutty that yeah. it's like... I'm glad you made these choices, Forrest Whitaker. They might not work, but I'm glad you made them. <laughs> right. Well, that's, again, you get those veteran actors. Yeah. You either go Alec Guinness <laughs> or you go Forrest Whitaker. Let's <laughs> 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 King of Scotland. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. No, and, and she's... So you could have her... Like, I was thinking, like, in my in my head, like, how would you fix Act 1? Like, and I'm, I'm you know, I've never had a screenplay made. I'm just a big fan of movies. Yeah. Um... You basically have it so that she's in jail because of him. And, like, he abandoned her because, you know, she got in jail. And she's pissed off because of it. So now, 
you know, she has to be used to get to him. And that gives the incentive of why she is mad at him and doesn't want anything to do with him or the rebellion anymore because they abandoned her. Yeah. That makes infinitely more sense. Mm -hmm. But they they choose to do it for some other weird reason, and she just doesn't care anymore. And so when Forrest Whitaker is like, you want to see the Empire's flags fly across the universe? And she's like, I, I, it does, you know, if you don't notice if you look down, it's, it, it, it all rings hollow. Yeah. Because you're just kind of like, uh, like, yeah, she's mad at him because he, like, made her stay back because he didn't want her to get her killed or anything like that. It didn't, that was dumb. That was dumb writing. <laughs> it didn't need to be that way. Yeah. So, like, most of Act One doesn't make any sense because you don't get to know the characters. You only get to know the circumstances that these characters exist in. So, it's kind of, eh. Mm-hmm. Diego Luna has a, has a pretty decent monologue where he kind of explains himself. So you get a little bit of feeling about, you know, like he's like, I've done a lot of crappy things for the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And you, you appreciate that. Like you appreciate his character then, but it comes a little too late in the plot for for to make that big of an impact. I think at least. Yeah. Because it comes in late in, in act uh uh, yeah, late in Act 2, We it comes see in. him kill the guy, and you assume that that's the kind of thing that he's talking about. He mm-hmm. kills that guy to kind of escape. But um, we don't know really what was going on with that. We don't have a real sense of what what was at stake. Like, what was he kind of doing? Um, so, I, yeah, well, I, I, don't, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really care about him either. Well, and the, <laughs> bigger, the, problem. the bigger problem was was that a lot of the stuff that they were talking about in that first scene where he shoots the guy, it are all these names of people and things you don't know yet. Yeah. So upon rewatching it the second and third time that I've seen it, <laughs> it all made a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. It actually made a lot more sense to me. But at the same time, it's like... You're you're setting up all this stuff and throwing out names that no one knows, and so like you can't follow along. So it's like, wait, why do you shoot that guy? What's going on with the stormtroopers coming in? It's just like, this yeah, doesn't. It was weird, and I remember in the beginning they they jumped around on all these planets and locations and things and stuff that we only saw once, like the first planet that they land on that yeah. uh, gets blown up. J- what was it? Oh, uh, uh, Jakku? No, not Jakku. Uh, Jetta. Jetta. Yeah. Uh, I knew you'd said it earlier, but I forgot already. Because uh, I don't pay attention to this crap. The that was the the <laughs> we see all these places that I, I was like, they don't expect me to keep track of any of this, do they? <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea what's going on and where no, we, they where jumped, we're going. They jumped around way too much, too much early on. Yeah, and it's like, and at the same time, like you have Cassian shooting that guy, and it's supposed to be this big moral dilemma, but yet in the first Star Wars movie, thirty minutes in, Han Solo shoots Greedo. Yeah, with no provocation whatsoever. I mean, a little bit of provocation, but not so well, much. Greedo so- shoots at him first. Oh, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's. I know enough to say. Yeah, that. but I mean, you have that scene where you're like, "This is the universe we're in." So why should it be that big of a deal that Cassian shoots this guy in the alley? Like, we're already in this universe. Yeah, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's not this big, you know, moral choice for them. This is the type of world that we live in. That they live yeah. in. But yeah. There was, there was, and, and as I say, his big moral speech came too late in Act Two. So then, when you hit Act Three, and they're all like, "We're gonna go to Scarif and steal the plan. We're gonna go to Scarif and steal the like." Everyone's all gung ho for it, and you're like, "What? What happened? To all this moral dilemma crap that you gave us earlier in the movie? If we're just just give us Act Three, the movie yeah. should have started with 
Act Three, and we would have been great with it. You know, <laughs> just one long space battle. I don't think too many people would have complained. No, everyone would have been masturbating in their seats, loving it that much. Yeah. But anyway, we don't want that. Uh, um. So yeah, it's that movie. I can't. I don't love it that much. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, this is my favorite new favorite Star Wars movie." It's my second favorite Star Wars movie. It's like, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, but it's it's Act Three. The Act Three is so good that it kind of makes up for the terrible Act One. Mm-hmm. It kind of just makes it kind of a mediocre Star Wars. It's it's in the upper half because there's so many bad Star Wars movies. <laughs> It's true. There's three terrible Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. One kind of bad Jedi, and then yeah. the other ones are okay. This is right around Jedi. I don't know. I, I would. Yeah, I, I don't know if I like which one I like more over the other. But uh, my my friend's wife said she liked this. She's obviously not very well versed in Star Wars. She liked the Rogue One more than Episode Seven because, and her reasoning was. Um, she liked, and and I can kind of understand this. This, especially if you're not really attuned to it, um, she felt like Star, like Episode Seven, and this was a criticism a lot of people had, was just the retelling of the very first Star Wars movie, whereas this was something different, and it was its own thing, and she enjoyed that. She was like, I, I already saw the first Star Wars movie. I don't need to go pay to see it again and yeah, get all no. hyped up about it. Uh, this was a totally different thing that I didn't expect, and it was fun. So she, between the two, liked that one. I can't go that far, but I understand that. No, I do. I get it. I get like, It's very similar. However, at the end of this movie, there's a scene where Ray has to climb the Tower of Data cartridges, and there's like... Jin. Jin, sorry, has to climb this tower, and there's this little hole that keeps opening and closing. Yeah, that she's got to jump through. You know that was a studio exec saying, like, you know what? There's got to be a little bit of danger right there. <laughs> so we're gonna have this thing that yeah. keeps opening and closing, and she's got to time her jump just right. I'm like, what was the point of that? Yeah, why would they even? At what was the point of that thing even being there? <laughs> what why purpose there? did it serve? <laughs> To even be there. I was so mad when I watched it. Because there's a scene in Galaxy Quest where they have to go through this part of the ship and there's these big stompers and these flames that shoot up. And they're like, who would design a ship with this? (laughs) And they're like... It's the least practical means of data storage. (laughs) It's the 70s. It all has to be on VHS. Yeah. It's on tape. Where's the tape? Give me the tape. Hold on, we have to rewind it first. <laughs> Holly Hunter's running around trying to get the tape. <laughs> Jin, you gotta get this tape to the rebellion. <laughs> then it's like, then there's the whole thing of of the, the other, another weird part of of like the third act was was great, action packed, fun, but there was a lot of like really kind of like dumb things. Like, yeah, we gotta tell them to get the 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 shield generate the shields down. Well. They should know to already take the shields down. Like that should be like part of their mission. Like right. They're like they never thought that. Like you know what? We should take these shields down. Like of course that should be the number one thing on your plate <laughs> when you get there. You can't get down to the planet, the planet with, with the, the shields, shields up. up. You're gonna have to get down to the planet. And you need the pilot to tell them to get the shields down. It was a little bit. It was a little bit weird. I, I started to like groan a little. My eyes started to glaze over a little bit just at the whole part where it was just like we need. We need to get to the push the big button over here, and then there's a big switch over there, and then like I've got this comically large <laughs> extension cord that I have to. Oh no, it's caught on something. I'm just like, 
What? Oh yeah, where it was caught on the thing. Goofy, like weird. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Back to the Future, where Doc, yeah. where Doc he's trying to get the cable together. Right. You know, he can't do it. I, I, that was a little bit weird. Where I'm just like, wait. They need to push the button so that the, they so, can throw the switch so that they can plug in the other things. They can send a message. It's like so you, that the, you, you expect at the end when like Princess Leia is like Princess Leia, I have this disc for you, and she looks at it and she goes, "Dear Princess Leia, I hope this message finds you. According to my message, I should be alive in nineteen in eighteen eighty five. And she's like eighteen eighty five. Jin's alive. Say like to be continued. <laughs> Joe Flaherty shows up as the yeah. rebel trooper, completely takes you out of the movie. You're right. like, hey, that's Joe Flaherty. What's he doing at the end of Back to the Future Part 2? We had a little bet down at the Death Star <laughs> as to whether or not you'd actually be here. Looks like I lost. I smell smoke in the auditorium. Everybody always picking on me. That's him on his knees. I know that's him. Yelling seven come eleven down in the boys' gym. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. So Charlie Brown. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, oh, are we still talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever. We can't give it a grade. It's Charlie no, Brown Christmas. It, it's it's a, an A triple plus. It gets, it oh, just, wait, it's just a double plus. The last one's Kahlua. Um. <laughs> I'll just give it a solid A. It's, yeah, uh, it's fine. You gotta it's watch great. it every year. It's it's like going to your parents' house. It's just something you have d- to d- do. Dentist appointment. You or know. You, well, I go twice a year for dentist. Well, that's I, true. I, yeah, so do I. I make it a a point just for it's good for your cardiovascular health. That's true. Um, but yeah, it's it's more like going to your parents for Christmas. It's like you gotta do it. You don't want to do it, mm-hmm. but you know, unless you're one of those weirdos who does. Ugh. Want to spend time with your parents? In you which mean our, case, w- our wives? Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that yeah, you get the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Uh, it's a uh, what's it? Eight? It's a Charlie Brown Christmas. Or? A Charlie Brown. It's just Christmas. called a Charlie Brown Christmas. I don't know. I've seen this thing like thirty-five times. I'll I'll never keep it straight in my. It head. all blends together. All right, go to planetarbitrary.com for your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planet arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. Twitter's terrible now. Just, just, just don't. Okay. Uh, like our Facebook page, <laughs> backslash comic book logic. Um, you, best way you can help with the podcast is like, comment, subscribe on iTunes. Um, you could also listen to our sister podcasts. We have Game Classy Podcast, which is all about tabletop gaming, and Play On Podcast, which is all about video gaming. You also, we also have a new one called Weeb Town, which is all about anime. So I don't, I don't know oh, how about long, anime. Yeah. Oh, I saw that, but I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, I have, oh. I have not either. I'm probably going to give it a listen a little bit later. Very nice. I don't know anything about anime, so maybe they'll school me. Probably not. It's oh. probably mostly Steve telling us how anime is terrible oh. nowadays. Well, it is <laughs> all a, all the days. You got to watch Gundam or something like I that. I don't, I don't want to. Got to watch any of it. So, Kevin <laughs> on. Until our year and wrap up slash year in preview. Yeah, I forgot to think of something. Comic book logic. <laughs>